We only have so much time this morning, and uh, there's an awful lot to cram into. In fact, Pastor, I have never been given this much time ever. I, I bless you for it. I mean that sincerely, <laughs> because we got a lot of business that we're going to have to take care of this morning. I want everybody to kind of stay with me, okay? The first thing that we need to do is we need to make a map of Western Africa. In order to do that, what we do is we go like this. Well, I have one. Oh, everybody. Yeah, like this. This right here is the coastal region of Western Africa. Now you need to do one other thing, and then I will be able to show you exactly where. No, got to put them back up there. Exactly where the country of Benin is located. You take this finger and you go like this. <laughs> Don't scratch it. I saw that. It's, it's Hannah, isn't it? What's your name? Reagan. Reagan. I like Reagan better than Hannah anyway. Okay, now you don't have to scratch it. This is where Benin is located. It is immediately west of the country of Nigeria. Everybody knows Nigeria. Very few people know where the country of Benin is. But the next time somebody says, where is Benin? You go like this. Very small country. It is a French-speaking country. I have had more problems this morning spilling out French. Normally in the, in the uh, worship time, I just let her rip in French because that's kind of the language I use when I'm telling Jesus that I love him. You know. But I try to limit myself. But you people, you poor people, you've been showered with more French than you deserve. Um... um I have, a, what we want to do is this, because I'm going to spend most of my time this morning doing something else other than Benin. The reason why is because you have a missions convention, and Pastor is exactly right. We have to look not just at a single country, we have to look at the world and what's happening out there in the world. I am going to share with you about Benin, but we're going to put our emphasis on a world wide vision. Jesus said, lift up your eyes. In French you say, levez les regards. See the fields and take my word for it. They are ripe for harvest. My Goodness, I'm going to preach without even preaching. Let's do this, okay? The first thing I want to do, is, and I have to do this because, after all, I have to do this. That's all. Uh, but let's just very quickly uh, give you a quick rundown. That's what this, uh, what do you call this thing, PowerPoint presentation is, is all about. It's just going to give you a quick rundown of what we have done and what we hope to do. And that's going to be basically about all you're going to hear about in terms of uh, Marty and Roman's ministry, per se. But that's okay. That's all right. We have a bigger view to look at. So, uh, Josh, it's time. Are we going? 
Okay, Marty Brenda Roman missionaries to the land of Benin, West Africa. I really am glad to be with you this morning. I've had fun so far. Benin is very different from uh, our country. You travel in Benin, you never really know what those are pigs uh, that you see tied down to the top of that car. They are living, they are alive. Now we got, ooh, 200 pounds on the top of that. Now we've got to keep moving. Let's talk about the Ruth Center. It is a live-in, three-year technical school for young women at risk. And this includes young women who are being forced into unwanted marriages. Some were being used in video uh, voodoo rituals. Others orphaned. Others escaping a system of human trafficking. This year, here, right now, the Ruth Center has had its 10th graduating class. 290 girls have completed the three-year program where they learn practical job skills, they learn to read, they learn to write, and they learn about Jesus. These girls are from every region of Benin. Many of them were former Muslim girls who have come to know Christ as their Savior. They were considered the throwaways of society. Without the Ruth Center, these young women were doomed to a life as victims. And today they are strong, they are confident, and now they are godly women who contribute to their church and to their community. I thank God for my wife, Brenda, who created the Ruth Center. Whoa, Junior Teen Bibles Quiz. A great way to plant God's word into the hearts and minds of young people. Ten churches all around the Paraku area have participated, some of them with multiple teens. Whoa, got to keep moving, Okay. Never fast enough. Church planting and building. During the past five years, we have worked with over 60 churches with land purchase, roofing supplies, cement for walls and floors, and then, of course, there's always the tabernacle construction, all in the largely Muslim-dominated regions of northern Benin. It starts with vision casting with local pastors. We help them to exercise their faith to reach nearby areas. It often means driving down rough roads. That, if you saw, was not a rough road. We got walk down pathways. We check out a piece of land. We meet people underneath trees, and I love that, or in small huts. Churches participate by clearing land. They supply water. They provide food for workers and then working manually with our construction team. Even while being built, God uses the process to draw people to him. Now, these churches are strategically planted churches, and they become a lighthouse for God in their area. They will multiply themselves, starting many new churches as they grow in the Lord as well. Let's go on to Project Naomi. Project Naomi is a revolving microfinance program designed to help widows support themselves and their children after the loss of their husbands. With the funds they receive, each widow is able to start her own business. And as you can see, there's a variety of things that they do. It's a joy to go back and see the confidence and hope that these women have for their future and for their families. And again, my wife is the one who started Naomi Project. Looking ahead to next term. So Brenda will be starting a ministry to reach thousands of children who are living on the streets of Cotonou. She'll be working with both the women's and children's ministries of local churches. We will be ministering to these kids in very practical ways. We'll be giving them a place to rest in safety, to have a shower, a change of clothes, a meal, a towel, a cloth to sleep under at night. 
and then a backpack to keep all these things. Uh, we will pray with them, we'll teach them to read and write, and most importantly, we will introduce them to Jesus. <sighs> keep moving, Marty. 96 new church plants. This is a reachable goal for our next term. And the question is, how do we do that? Well, in the four northern regions of Benin, there are 48 churches, all of them joining together and pooling their resources to pur purchase 48 pieces of property each. And their plan is for each church to do evangelism, to plant a new church on each one of these newly purchased parcels, and then they're going to repeat that process again in another two, e two years. Our part in this, well, I promise, Lord help me, I promise 96 churches or individuals from the states who will partner with us to build a small chapel on each as each new church comes into existence. $6,000 will give these new believers a place where they can gather, where they can be discipled, and where they can introduce others to Jesus. We made it. We managed to keep ourselves busy. When we first arrived in the country of Benin, there were perhaps maybe 40 churches in the entire country. Today, there's well over 700 churches in the land of Benin. I thank God for that. I just thank God. Brenda and I, we have personally participated and probably planting over 300 of those churches, 200 of them uh, using tabernacles, uh, which your church helped us build one of them. And uh, that has kept us very, very busy over the last 30 years. Now we come to the fun part. Can I have all the kids come up front, please? I am a bush missionary. And I know there aren't very many bush missionaries left, but come on right up here. Over here. That's good. Oh, no, you don't have to stand up like that. You can sit down and get comfortable. Okay. I am a bush missionary, and when you go out in the bush, there's a problem that you always have to deal with when you go to sleep at night. They'll put you in places. Oh, my goodness, do they put you in places. Some of them, well, have you ever had a lizard fall down on your head in the middle of the night? Uh Take my word for it, that's not very much fun. Or how about cockroaches? Have you ever had a co cockroach run across your nose in the middle of the night? No. Or across your legs? No. Uh, I don't like that either. I wanted to show you something, and this is perfect for, well, snakes are always a problem too, because I don't know what to say there. But cockroaches and and lizards and mosquitoes are the big things. Mosquitoes is the biggest killer in Africa, and usually you get most of your mosquito bites uh, in the middle of the night. So when you go to sleep, you need a place that will protect you from those things. Now I'm going to show you something. You see, oh, could you move those boards right there? I don't care where you put them right now. You can eat them. No, I was kidding, Rachel. Just, ki just kidding, Rachel. Just kidding. Let's have a little bit of fun, okay? This way. Jump in. Go ahead, right in there. Everybody in. It's got lots of room, doesn't it? And now, I'm going to lock you up. 
You know why I'm locking you up? It's because now I didn't just lock you in. I locked the bugs, I locked the mosquitoes, and I locked the, the lizards out. You notice, notice there's, there's a floor in that. It's a real tight map. I, this is really the mosquito net that I have used for the last five years in this last term. My wife bought it for me. And when Brenda bought it, first time she bought it, I said, Brenda, don't waste your money. I don't want to bother with it. I used it one time, people, one time. And I said, that goes with me every place I go. It is a wonderful thing. Now, you're probably thinking that I bring a, a sleeping bag with me and I sleep on a pillow in a sleeping bag. No. No, I just bring a simple sheet. A sleeping bag is way, way too hot for where I sleep because very often in the middle of the night, there's no air conditioner. I do have a battery-powered fan, and it'll last about 12 hours if I turn it up. But it's still really hot. It's just hot air blowing over you, and that's what it is. So I just bring a simple sheet and my pillow, and that's what I sleep on in the middle of the night. Would you like to do that sometime? You really don't want to do it, I can <laughs> tell you. Okay. It sounds like fun. It's not. Okay. Kids, now don't go away. I'm just going to open it up. Stay right there. I'm going to show you one more thing, and then, I don't know, the party's over. Then I'm going to have to do other things. But here, I want to show you this. Now, I don't have time to tell you my Python story, but I have a Python story, and the Python was bigger than this one. But you get a hold of me after the service. I'll roll it out, and while other people are going out and in, I will tell you my Python story. Is that fair enough? What's your name? Ariel, pretty name. What's your name? Nate. Ariel, Nate. What's your name? Peter. Peter? Oh, yes. Abby and? Okay, now there's no way in the world I can remember those names. I have too many of them packed up in me. But let me show you my pythons, my python snake. Okay, you ready? Here it comes. And that's my python snake skin. I can tell you a story, but it'll have to be after the surface of one that goes from there to about, maybe right to about here. It was a big thing, and I'll tell you all about it after the service, okay? Fun's over. I'm sorry. I'll try to keep you interested after, though, because I still have more things that I'm going to have to say, okay? So, everybody out. <laughs> To all the adults who are here, I know you think that that should be held to children's church time, but uh, I am personally, this is just my personal Marty Roman opinion time, I think those kids may be the most important thing that happened this morning. Now, what am I supposed to do next? <laughs> I'm having too much fun to settle down. Um, let me do this. You have your Bibles with you, don't you? Oh, I do have to do this before we get to that. These are just quick things. Uh, you have on your, the seats, this has to do with the 96 Church Project. It just gives you a breakdown of how we go about buying and building that thing. Out in the front foyer, you have this, and this is particularly important. 
because it has to do with the Street Kids Project that I talked about. If $50 will help us reach one child for Christ. We're not talking about $50 a month. $50. If you'd like to give to that pastor, I'm certain that there'll be those who are able to do that. And then the most important thing is, well, the most important thing. We're going to be working up among the Muslims in the northern regions of Benin. The Boko Haram has settled into the northern part of the country where we're going to be working. And I would ask, please, that everyone pick up a prayer card. You'll find them on the display in the front of the church over here. Is that where it's at? Over here. Pick up a prayer card. Take it home. Put it on your, your refrigerator or wherever you put those kind of things. I do not expect you you know, every, t every morning to get down on your knees in front of our prayer card and pray. But I do think that there will be a time when you'll put a glance over there and the Lord will touch your heart and those are the times we need you to pray. We work, I work, in very isolated regions of the country. And you say, well, you shouldn't do that. Well, you tell me how to get the work done without doing it and then I won't do that. In the meantime, we go out. That's it. We go out. Now, I'm going to try to be wise. I'm not going to try to be foolish. I don't believe in tempting God. But at the same time, we will be going out, and we do need your prayers. A prayer covering, call it that, over a speed the light vehicle as we drive and over our lives as we get out and as we work with local churches and pastors uh, in the church planting process. We need your help in that. Now, boy, this is so wonderful, Pastor. I can't believe you gave me this much time. May, I don't know, the, the sons of Abraham rise up and call you blessed. The sons of Abraham? Ah, oh, why not? <laughs> Take your Bibles and go with me to Acts. Chapter 16. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. I'm going to work down here because that's people. Um, I'll just take a little time to explain this. Um, more often than not, when I minister, I'm ministering to a group of people that are from this handsome man, young man's right here across to all the way up here. These are handsome young people up here. Did I lie or not? <laughs> oh, that was the absolute truth. But usually it's just a group of people like this, and I don't have mics or whatever. But one of the things about that is it puts you really on top of people, like right here, you know, and they're listening to you. So if, I'm, uh, if I seem to be like I'm mingling a little bit, it's because, Bobby, that's 30 years of this stuff. Give me a break. <laughs> so we're going to Acts chapter 16. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region. Oh, I'm using the New American Standard, by the way. Are we posting that? Nope, that's okay. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. I had somebody once ask me, why in the wide world did the Holy Spirit forbid them to go into Asia? 
And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. This is 16, verse 7. Uh, if any of you ever come up with a good, logical, sound, sound theological reasons why the Holy Spirit did not permit Paul and his missionary team to go into Asia, please get a hold of me after the service. I had somebody say, because God wanted the Europeans, and I'm going, that doesn't make any sense. It's really poor theology. For God so loved the world. The world. Jesus wasn't playing favoritism. But in terms of the exact reason why you're just going to have to get a hold of Jesus and maybe he can give you a good reason, I don't have that. Verse 8, passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. And this is where it happens. 9, verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Did you read that? Did you hear it? A man was praying. Some people say that was Luke. I don't think it was, but we know it was. He was praying, saying, come over. Help us. I'm going to say it again. Come over. People, missionary work is not very complicated at all. It's very simple stuff. And it comes down really to this. Come over and help us. The girls in the roof center who've been discarded, left in the streets, some of them being sold off into things that are very unpleasant some of them being sold off into marriages. I remember one young lady, well, there's many of them like that, Esther, who, who she was not a Christian, but she heard that her father and mother were going to sell her off into a marriage to a much older man. She didn't want her. She ran off into the, into the bush up in the northern part. And in the north, there's wild animals, and there are snakes of all kinds. And she had a good friend who who went after her. She heard about the girl's dilemma. And she called out and said, Esther, Esther, Esther. And half the day she called out until her voice was nearly raw. And finally Esther, realizing that it was her friend, came out and they wept together. This Christian girl said, my church has an answer for you. But I'm not a Christian. It's all right. We have an answer for you. She took Esther to her pastor. Her pastor said, good. But he said, I can't help you because it's right here in the village in Belt. So Esther and her friend walked all night long from Condi down to Paracu and across. I'm told that when they arrived, both their feet were just bleeding. They arrived at the roof center. And over the months, Esther gave her heart to the Lord. 
today, Esther is serving the Lord, not up in the north, but down in the south. She went down to a Christian family. There she learned how it was to live in a Christian family. She is married, raising her own children today. You helped Esther. Come over and help us. tell you one more story and then I've got to keep moving. A young man by the name of Isaac. He was among about 125 other young people. They were young. They were uh, somewhere between, uh, well, I was there and they were meeting at that time underneath what we call a brush arbor. You know what they call it, a hangar in French, but you know what a brush arbor is? You know, you stick poles in the ground, you put br branches over the top of it and that's where they were meeting. About 125 by my count, not their count, <coughs> by my count, young people. They needed a church and they needed a place. And I had just come out to see what in the wide world is going on out here. Uh, I made a plan to go back with them. And uh, the week that I was supposed to go back, I came down and I was very, very sick. I won't get into that in too much detail other than to say I was sick. And I remember the Sunday morning, I was putting the Bibles in the speed of light vehicle. And a friend uh, had to agree to go back with me because he knew I, I was quite sick. And I had to ask him if he would take care of the Bibles, I'd take care of everything else. We arrived in their village. And I was, I was, I, I asked, please, could I have a seat and I'll preach sitting. And that's what I did. I, I sat in front of these young people who really thought I was a big deal. I'm not certain, but, and I sat and I preached and I told them again and again about Jesus and how he was strong to deliver, that he was our fortress, that he was our refuge, that he was our, our, our deliverance. And I said these things. After the service, I, I had to meet with their leaders, and they were all young, Rachel. They were young leaders. I talked with them about the things that they would need to do and the things that the mission would do and that together we would help them have a tabernacle. And by the way, Pastor, today there is a church that is just jam-packed and that church has already created two, three new churches since that time. But that day right there, I, I was just so sick. When I was finally done talking with them, I... I said, now, Alfred Monami, my friend, he's going to help you with Bibles. We have brought some Bibles. and They were excited about that. And I sat alone over on the side in my chair saying to myself, I, I, I wish this would get over with so I could drive back and take a shower and crawl into bed. Now, I'm not real proud of my really, really bad attitude because it was a bad attitude. But I'm hanging on is what I'm doing. 
And I had this young man come up to me with his brand new Bible in his hand. Pete, he was a big husky guy. Now, they wear what they can afford, what they can find. And he had on a really tight T-shirt. But it was really tight because that's all he had, you know. This is all right by me. I mean, we're doing the best we can. He had on this really tight, and I noticed he's leaning over, and he was showing me his Bible brand new. He was so proud. He was turning the page and saying, Oh, Pastor, Pastor, look at this. It's God's word, and I have one. He was so proud. and uh, To myself, I was saying, Please. I, I've, I've given out thousands of these. What, you think I don't know what it looks like? Pastor! God, look, Pastor! I glanced over to the side, and I noticed something. There were welts coming out from underneath his T-shirt. It didn't register to me what that meant at that moment, but after he was all done, and I said, oh, we say the bottle. Yes, that's God's word, and it's going to feed your soul. You need to read it, and it'll direct you, and it'll help you, and so you use and read. Oh, we, pastor. Yes, pastor. Finally, he closed his Bible and turned to walk off. His T-shirt had crawled up on his back because it was too tight. And then I saw something that struck me. Across the, his back, there were welts, live welts, recent welts. And it dawned on me, Isaac's family had taken him out, <laughs> tied him to a tree. It was not an unusual thing. And they took branches. I don't know where that's coming from. They took branches and they beat him and told him he wasn't going to be in church Sunday morning. Isaac had found grace. Jesus had done something in Isaac's heart. He didn't think about his beating. He thought about the word. Somehow, in spite of my bad attitude, we had helped Isaac and a hundred or more young people back in the bush. Come over and help. Not complicated stuff. Oh, it's hard. <laughs> if I'm giving the impression like that's always easy, there's few things quite as exhausting as coming out of the bush, having given your heart, your soul, and your guts, everything, everything, everything. Nothing quite like it. But it's simple stuff. There's nothing sophisticated about it. You just go and do what has to be done. You helped. I guess that's my point. You helped. 
Now we're going to go to one other verse, and then I'm going to be done. And because pastor has been so kind to me, I don't have to feel terribly rushed, but we're going to do this. This is missions convention. And in missions convention, we decide together, all of us together, how, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. Actually, we find in Scripture exactly what it is that we, disciples of Jesus Christ, ought to do and should do according to help missions. Um, one of the, well, let me just do it this way. Take your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to read two verses, verses 1 and verse 2. This is what the Bible says we are to do in terms of the financial part of sending, assisting missions. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. These are two of the most misused verses in the Bible. Well, the verse 2 is one of the most misused. The words of Paul, the missionary, the apostle. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the church of Galatia, so do you also. The collection for the saints, what was that? Well, we don't have a, t a lot of time to get into a scholarly study of this, but we do know that what this was, this was, this was a collection that Paul the Apostle was raising in order to assist the widows in Jerusalem. Now note something, people. This, these are people in another country, another people group. They don't talk the way the, Philippi, uh, the Corinthians talk. They don't dress the way the, the Corinthians dress. The Corinthians are basically, they come from a pagan stock. While Jerusalem, they come from a Jewish stock. They think differently. This is a missionary offering. Yeah, it is. It's a missionary offering. We'll get into that a little bit more, but it's enough to just say for right now that it was an offering that was being raised to help Christians in another church thousands of miles away. Second thing we get from this verse is that, that the Corinthian church was not the only one given instruction. He says here... As I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. So all of these churches that Paul, the Apostle Paul had planted over on the Galatian side were instructed in exactly the same way. This was not a one-time thing. Do we understand that? Okay, now, let's go to verse 2. What are we supposed to do? On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. Now, this is one of the most misused verses in the Bible, because we, I'm sorry, pastor, if you say the right Springfield and tell them that I said this, they're going to just chop my nose. That's okay, they chopped my nose off already several times. It goes back. Uh, but <laughs> it's true, it will. But this is what it says, okay? This is what it says. It says, on the first day of every week. So we have used this verse to describe our tithes and our offerings given in the local church. Now, please do give your tithes and your offerings in the lo local church. Our big problem, and my big argument with that, is that if you want to talk about tithes and you want to talk about offerings, that's good. There's lots of other verses that describe that. But that is not 
what is being described in this verse. This is a missions offering. And we need to keep that in mind when we read the text. And now I know traditionally in that because of tradition, we've kind of locked into this. I simply ask that if this is what you're thinking traditionally, pick it up and read it for what it says. Okay? Another thing that I need to, to clarify, and that is this. I've had many people say to me, but this is not a missions offering. Now, listen, what does it say here? It says, on the first day of the week. This isn't what we're supposed to do is what they say. On the first day of the week, every work, each one of you is put aside and saved as he may prosper. Very specific instructions. And yet, I've had uh, people with doctorate degrees. I don't have a doctorate degree. But I say to myself this. I say to myself Do I have to have a doctorate degree before I understand what the book says? So the Holy Spirit, using the Apostle Paul, gives the church, not just the church, for that time and that age, but for all ages, because that's what the Bible's all about. Each one of you, the first day of the week, according to their means, or the Bible says, as as God prospers you, but... I like the, the, the French. It says, selon vos moyens, according to your means. Very specific instructions. And yet we have people telling us, oh, that just means generally God is trying to teach his people to generally be generous. So people, just be generally generous and you're going to be obeying the word of God. I have problems with that. When the Holy Spirit says each one of you, what does that mean? Everyone. The first day of the week, what does that mean? That means regular, systematic giving. Now, I will grant you that at this time, you know, they they weren't being paid by weekly or monthly salaries. But if you, whatever, then according as God has prospered you, you were to give. Okay. Now, would it work? Well, my argument has always been, if it's in the Bible, it works. So let me show you visually what I mean. It is a missionary offering. How does it work? Oh, let's have one of the kids here. What was your name again, the young man here in the red? Hmm? Peter, would you come up here? And I'll need one of the girls. Would you come up here? What's your name, Al? Oh, yeah, a beautiful name, Ariel. Peter, just stay right there. And one more. You're looking real intense there, young man with the glasses. Come on up here. What's your name? Nate. So I have Nate. I have Peter of the Rock. You're going to have to come down here. Nate. And Ariel. That's what I didn't say. I said it in French. It's really pretty in French, isn't it? Ariel. You're right, Ariel. And if you want Ariel, I will call you Ariel from this time out. But I like Ariel. Okay, okay, here we go. 
Okay, Pete, Nate, and Ariel, would you step on those cups, please? They didn't hold up very well, did they? Thank you very much. You've been a good illustration. I appreciate it. You have shown us exactly what happens when a cup is subjected to an excessive amount of weight. Thank you very much. You can go sit down now. Good job. That would never support my weight, would it? But that's not really what God intended. God didn't intend for a single individual. He didn't intend just for a pastor. He didn't intend just for the deacons or pastor's wife or, I don't know, the uh, Pete, isn't it? The youth pastor. The Bible says each one of you, that means whether you're rich, and frankly, that means whether you're poor. I've had people in Benin say, I'm too poor, je trop, je suis pauvre. And I said, sorry, the Bible says each one of you. That means you and that means me. No exceptions to this. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if he has saved you, if you are born again, if he's delivered you from your sin, if he's transformed your heart and made you right before him, it means exactly that. It means each one of you. Pastor, I think it's a wonderful goal that you have in your church that everybody gets involved in, Michigan because, in missions because it is a very, very scriptural goal. Each one of you. Now, I don't want it to make everybody feel guilty if you haven't filled out your faith promise cards yet, but I hope you get really guilty on this if you haven't. <laughs> because Jesus said, it's for all of us, every single one, each one of you. And then it says, on the first day of the week. Now, that's, that's just systematic giving. I like the idea of first day of the week and giving every single week because, quite frankly, it's a whole lot easier to give $2 a week than it is to give $10 a month. It really is. You'd be discovered, how, you'd be amazed how e much easier it is to give $2 a week. Now, I know it's not $10, but still, the idea is to give systematically, regularly. You get a check. Cut something out of that check for missions, okay? You get an allowance. I'm sorry. You say, well, I'm a kid. I don't have, I don't have any money. You get an allowance. Uh, you give your tithes, but something goes to missions because it's each one of us. It's every single one of us. We all do this together, and we do it systematically. We do it regularly. If you try to do something monthly, it's easy to forget. Make it a habit. The French say something, they say this. They say, une habitude est une seconde nature. And what that means is a habit is a second nature. I believe that God intends for missions to become the very nature of the church. A part of the way we think, the part of the way we breathe. That go ye therefore into all the world. That wasn't our idea. That wasn't pastor's idea. That wasn't my idea. That was God's idea. And he wants that instilled deep in our souls and our hearts. And when you make it a habit, it becomes a part of your nature. 
So the first day of the week, each one of you, according to your means. Now, we need to be careful with this one, Christians, because then we say, well, I'll give a dollar a week. I've given systematically. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I've given systematically as God has prospered you, or the French will say, according to your means. Now listen, we need to be honest with God. Your pastor is not going to come chasing after you and say, are you kidding me? You're giving $2 a week when I know that your capacity is far more than that. Your pastor is not going to do that. But understand something, God knows your pocketbook. true. Each one of you, the first day of the week, according to your means. The other side of that, and I want to make this very clear, and that is that we often say, you got to sacrifice, you got to sacrifice, you got to sacrifice. Well, God impels you to sacrifice. Then you got to sacrifice. That's what you ought to do. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you can comfortably reach down into your pocket and give $5 a week, then reach down in your pocket and give $5 a week. The Bible says if you and your wife or your spouse, you sit down together and you decide that we can get $10 doesn't break us at all. We can do $10 a week. Then give $10 a week. You understand what I'm saying? We give according to our means. Even the Beninois, because we do have missions in Benin. Missions is not exclusively an American project, okay? But even the Bainingwa says, oh, I can give, I can give uh, 25 francs. That's about a nickel. I can give 25 francs, and I can do that easy. Yes, and therein lies a problem, is you can really reach it down in your pocket and give 100 francs easily. Most uh, Bainingwa can do that. You know, and that's about 20 cents. You're not in accordance with God's word if you're not giving according to your means, okay? Now, oh, I might as well do this too. I bought them at Walmart. See this, Pete? Peter? Didn't work for me either, did it? Now the question is, can a single cup no, it can't. But if you put all the cups together, if each one of us gives systematically and regularly, and we do it not, not bring a big burden on ourselves, but just according to our means, what do you think? I think it works. It will support the missionary. It works, people. It's a principle that not, doesn't just work in the physical world. It works in the spiritual world as well. Paul was presenting to us the means whereby we, the church of Jesus Christ, can send missionaries. One last word, and Pastor, I, one last word. I gotta say thank you. I gotta say thank you to every single one of you who have given. 
a thousand times by this time, I have stood in front of the people and said, Vos amis, les Américains, your friends, the Americans, ils ont mis le man dans la poche pour faire sortir quelque chose. They put, put their hands down their pockets to bring something out. And it's thanks to them, not thanks to me, but thanks to them that the tabernacle was built and the literature was provided and the Bibles were brought to you and the evangelism was done. Thank you. Thank you. My time's up. God bless you. Amen. We want to thank you, Father.